Yes, 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 people. It is day one, day one of the 65th BFI London Film Festival. And yo, what a goddamn day, people. It has been pretty fire. Pretty fire, if I ain't gonna lie. Right, so um, you know, every year it opens up with a big film, big film. We've had um, shit. Well, we had man, yo, we had the, 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 the there was a film about the dude who couldn't walk and then he taught himself to do stuff. The name I cannot remember, but I remember I went to see it inside the, the, it was the first time they built the big like pop-up screen um, just by Charing Cross Station, was fantastic. Uh, Irishman, boom, went to see that with my friend. So I, I, funny thing is, I saw that first film with my friend Alex and I saw the other one, I saw the Irishman the next year, I believe it was, with her now wife, Tash. Boom. Two incredible times at the festival. Widows. I just remember being in the screen watching Widows, and that was, that was pretty great. That was pretty great, people. Woo! Oh, yes, it was. So, yeah, we've had some great, uh, some great opening nights, and, hey, it, it just seems this festival, it, it's not going to disappoint. There is a lot going down. There's a lot going down, right? So it's 12 days. You know what I mean? 12 days of fun in partnership with American Express. And you get so much, so much. They brought back the immersive art and XR experiences. So if you're a fan of like virtual reality and immersive stuff, boom, you can go check that out. There's a, a lot of premieres. There's a lot of premieres, world premieres, European premieres, UK premieres. It is all a go, right? We've got films like Spencer, The French Dispatch, Last Night in Soho, just to name a few. The Velvet Underground um, documentary. The Souvenir Part 2. You know, John Hogg is back. Right? So, um, yeah, it's fun. You've got a shorts program. Right? You can see it for free in the BFI or on the BFI player. So you have those options. A lot of the films people are going to be showing on the BFI player. So... You know, you, you don't always have to leave your house. If you still are worried about leaving your house, there is still that option. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of talks taking place from the 8th to the 12th. You know what I mean? So much people. Like some of the people you can hear from in the screen talks 
uh, just a couple to name. We got um, Asgar Fahadi, right? He's an Academy Award winning director uh, who will be discussing his latest film. You know, so you have that. It was a, a hero. You've also got Jane Campion, right? Another Academy Award winning director. And she's going to be talking her, about her film, The Power of the Dog. So you both, you have those two to look forward to. Campion is on Monday the 11th at 3. And um, Fahadi is on Tuesday the 12th at 1. So, uh, yeah. Boom. Two good things to look forward to, people. You know what I mean? And the festival, it's happening not just in London. Again, they've expanded it across the UK. I know why those motherfuckers up north and down, down need to get some of this goodness. Hey, get on a train, get on a bus, travel into the goddamn capital, people. No, no, listen. It is only for the betterment of creatives that this is something that everyone around the place can experience. You know, because... We see some incredible films, incredible films. And it's a shame because some of them, they, it takes a long ass time to get distribution. You know, I've, I've seen things that haven't come out in for three years, right? And you just think someone has poured their heart and soul into this and people don't get to see it for that long. And that's, remember... Right, so that's three years since they premiered it at the film festival. So it usually has already taken them three years at the shortest sometimes to bring it to fruition to make it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's longer, it, it took ages to make. Then you've got the post production having to raise money to do all of that. So, yeah. The more people that get to see these things, the better, frankly. So, you know what I mean? There is so much goodness here for you people. You really do not want to miss out. And here's the thing. You need to book, right? If, if you think, oh, I want to see that film, book it ASAP. Book it ASAP because shit sells out quick have no fear though right because i know they added some extra screenings of a lot of films right and people cancel so there is often on the day if you go to i think it's like the box office in the bfi there's a a thing um at leicester square usually i don't know if it's there this year but call up do anything on the day, because you might be able to get something, okay? But you know what, people? You know what? I think it is time to get into the opening gala film. And look, as I said from the top, there has been some incredible films opening up the festival. There really has. And this year, this year we have a Netflix original. Netflix original. You know, I, I think 
Oh, I think it was 2018, right? They had their first film hit the festival, which was... Oh, fuck. I cannot remember the name of it. It was about slavery. Mary J. Blige was in it. And, and she was good, you know? But, boy. <laughs> boy. I was not happy after that. It was a really good film, but fuck. It was grim as a motherfucker. But since then, we've just seen them really, really kill it with um the content that has been coming out. And, hey, this new one, <laughs> oh, my gosh, this new one really did kick some butt. So, people, we are going to get into the opening night premiere. And that is the harder they fall, baby. Hey, hey, here we go. Uh -oh. <laughs> Enjoy. Okay, people. So, boy, I have just come back from a screening of The Harder They Fall. It is the opening film of today's 65th BFI London Film Festival. And, yo, what a goddamn film to open things up. People, trust me, this is a banger. Right, when you think of everything that's open a festival, I remember Widows, that being explosive, right? Just um, the Irishman, you know, like, there's always something good. It's always been enjoyable. And this, it really doesn't disappoint. It really doesn't. And, hey, I, I'll, you know what I mean? I'll admit, I was worried. I was worried. You know, uh, I think there was, right, I, it's hard to really, you know, break down, but there is always that fear <laughs> when it comes to, uh, you know, black films, right? Because I think oftentimes things are perceived in a certain way that, you know, it's it's not really the thing, and th then there's this expectation, right? There's this huge expectation on everything that gets produced, and I remember when, um, gosh, I'm just trying to think of the film, right? It's um, I. Uh, it, it, it was that, you know, the, the Western that Mario Van Peebles, um, he directed. Posse. Posse. Yes. Which came, like, 93, right? Which is, whew, so old. So old. But at the time, you know, we hadn't seen Black Westerns. You know what I mean? Hadn't seen black westerns before. So you were just like, huh. And it, and it was, listen, it was, I enjoyed Posse. I really did. 
But, you know, I think it is fair to say it wasn't, you know, when you talk about outstanding Westerns, right, when you roll those ones off the tongue, you know, Unforgiven is always up there. Um, Serafina Falls, that was fantastic. But Posse isn't in your top five. You know what I mean? So it's how was this gonna be? You know what I mean? How how was harder they for going to um stand up to it? Now, right, like Posse, Miss Posse, when you think the cast, right? You had Mario Van Peebles, Stephen Baldwin, Billy Zane, Tone Loke, Melvin Van Peebles, Tiny Lister, Big Daddy Kane. You know what I'm saying? Blair Underwood, Isaac Hayes, Robert Hooks, Richard Jordan, Pam Greer. Oh my gosh. You know, and more. Right, it, it was a stellar Reginald Hoodland was up in there, you know, it, it was an incredible cast, and uh yeah, harder they fool does not disappoint on the cast, doesn't doesn't disappoint on the cast, and the crazy thing is just the talent is all the way through, right? It's directed by James Samuel, the um actually the brother of Seal. Right, musician, songwriter, record producer, and so I don't know if you'd automatically think, yo, he's gonna be the one to tear this up, but yo, oh, Samuel's tears, <coughs> he tears this up, man. He wrote the screenplay along with Boza Yakin, um, he created the story. It is produced by him, James Lassiter, Lawrence Bador, and Jay-Z. Yeah, you know. Cinematography is Sean Bobbitt and um, Mia um, Malima Jr. Um, it's a Netflix joint. You know what I mean? Overbook Entertainment did their thing on it. And, uh, yo, as I said, look, the cast, right? It's a, it's a sensational cast. Jonathan Majors is Nate Love. Idris Elba is a Rufus Buck. We've got Zazie Beats as Stagecoach Mary. Regina King is Trudy Smith. Or, um, oh, God, what was it? Was it... I think I think she's a trench coat Trudy, something like that. All right. Yeah, she has a few little pseudonyms, which are great. We have Delroy Lindo as Bass Revs, Bass Revs, uh Lakeith Stanfield as Cherokee Bill, RJ Siler as uh, Jim Buckworth, Danielle Deadwill. As Kofi, as Eddie um, Gary Gee, as Bill Pickett, Dion Cole, as a Wiley Eskew, 
And um, Damon Waynes is also up in the piece. I forget his character's name. All right. Um, boy, people, it is oh, insane. So the story is this. When outlaw Nate Love discovers that his enemy, Rufus Buck, is being released from prison, he rounds up his grand... Rounds up his grang. He rounds up his gang to track Rufus down and seek revenge. Those riding with him in this absurd, righteously new school western include his former love, stagecoach Mary, his right and left hand men, hot tempered Bill Pickett, and fast drawing Bill Buckworth. And a surprising adversary turned ally. Rufus Buck has his own fearsome crew, including treacherous, that's it, treacherous Trudy Smith, Cherokee Bill, and they are not a group that knows how to lose. I mean, the names are great, right? The names are freaking great. <laughs> it, it, it's just... But it just jumps out at you, man. These are just incredible um, names and everything like that. It, it, it just, it just jumps, man. The film really just pops. And I, I think, you know, it, it definitely has to be said, you know, that the score was incredible, right? Um, and Jay-Z, I believe, did produce the score. Uh, and that worked so well, right? The score worked so well with this film. And it's not so much just, you know, the, the songs, but the way the songs blended into the film and worked with what we were seeing on the screen, the action, everything like that. So we start off. Now, I it will say, so although this is a, you know, a fictional film, as it were, these characters did exist. You know, these characters did exist. And so, you know, this is the other importance of this film, right? Because watching Westerns, you never really saw black people. Right, the only minorities you kind of saw were, you know, the Native Americans, sometimes Chinese people, but you know, never in great roles. <laughs> you know, what I mean? never in great roles. But that was it. Now you then saw a few black people start to kind of appear. You know, Morgan Freeman's in Unforgiven. You know, but not really doing much. You know, and I think there's a period of time as a young kid you believe, oh, there were no black people in the in the Wild West. You know, which does sound absurd, right? You kind of feel, but there there would be, right? Especially the Wild West. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but then you learn, oh, there were, oh, there were, and oftentimes. In these old westerns that we'd see, you know, the character was an actual, based on an actual black outlaw person. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just like, damn, damn, 
like, when are we ever going to see this on a big motherfucking screen, yo? And that's what I'm talking about with the importance of the, the of a film. So this one, actually, we see all of that, right? We, we see it, it brings it to life, and it doesn't let us down. So we open up, and um, we've got, you know, we see a table, table of food. We got a, a, a you know, a wife, a kid, and a dad. Dad is a, a you know, he, he seems to be a preacher man. So they're sitting down and you're just about to say grace when there's a knock on the door. And it's just like, yo, who's knocking at this hour, right? Who's knocking at this hour? So it's, uh, you know, he gets up, goes to, uh, you know, goes to see. And at the door, oh, it's a bad, bad man, bad man. And he knows shit ain't right. He knows shit ain't going to be good. And we see him sit down at the table. And the guys pulls out his guns, his two shooters, gold-plated, which are just like, yo, what? <laughs> like, gold-plated guns? What is happening here? And it, it, it's kind of, it's a colorful scene, right, visually. So I think there is the fear that, oh, this ain't going to be that rugged wrestling. This ain't going to be... That hard hitting affair. I hope with gold guns this is gonna be some sort of comedy thing. Oh man, what, what are we what are we doing here? Oh that that is caught straight away <laughs> because what happens in that room, that ain't no comedy shit, people. That ain't for the faint-hearted, although you know it's not um grotesque you know violent wise it's just how it goes down how it goes down it's just like oof. so his partner walks into the room restrains the kid and yeah it, it goes crazy it goes crazy we never see faces which is all which makes it even more sinister right makes it even more sinister so then we get a Sometime later, we're going to flash up on the screen. And it's time for the payback, people. So we see a, a priest walk in to collect some money from the church. And there's a guy, guy kneeling there, gets up and he's talking to the priest. And you then realize, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Right, you, you realize a thing, and uh, yeah, it, it, it boom, the payback starts, which is fun, it is so fun. And then we start to get introduced to Nate Love's crew, right? So we see the Red Hand Gang, you know, pull off, you know, they obviously pulled off some sort of heist and they're racing, and then we get uh. Jim and um, us. So Jim and Bill, right? Jim and Bill. I'm gonna say Jim and Bill. Um, yeah, Jim and Bill. 
I don't know why I doubt myself sometimes, people. But we see them and um, the peoples take the, the red hand gag out. So, you know, we're, we're starting to meet people. Um, what is fun, right? What is really fun is we then kind of roll into the credits, you know, the credits. What do you call the, the, the stuff you always see at the beginning of a film? They're credits too, in a way, but I think the opening titles, let's say that, the opening titles. But, hey, there's a little playfulness with that, which when it happens, you're like, oh, okay, okay, right? It, it, it gives you the effect of a broken film reel, which is kind of fun, right? And then we get the opening credits. Uh, which which are done very well, right? And and we get into this film, and this film, who cool. just the way everyone's introduced, the way the things go down, right? It, it's not remember, um, gosh, it was Batman versus Superman, right? And they were introducing the Justice League, and Wonder, right? Bruce Wayne breaks into Wonder Woman's house, and. He goes on a computer and then we get like, he's like looking at files and we introduce to all Cyborg, Aquaman. And it was just so ham-fisted in the way it was done. And in other films, you know, sometimes it just ruins the flow of the film as, as we're getting these introductions and it seems to go on and on and on. And you're like, oh, what are we doing? Yo, not here. It, it, it works so well works so well all these introductions and everything like that everyone has their own flavor right everyone has their own flavor and, and it's just oh there's this magnetism to the way you know our, our, our viewing pleasure here so what i'll say right there is so many good things, you know, whether it's, as I said, look, the sound, right? So sometimes you have the music blend in or come out of hoofbeats. Yeah, crazy, right? You know, you, you have like a church bell and that kind of springs with sound and the music and the vibrations and everything like that. You know, there is a pit where we kind of meet stagecoach Mary, um, but she's a singer, right? And so she's walking to the stage, hitting the ground with a gun. <gasps> with the stock of the gun, it's hitting the ground. Boom, boom, boom. And this vibration, it's vibration. And then the music hits with the song she sings. And it's just like, yo, feel this in my soul, people. Feel this in my fucking soul. It is fantastic. Yes. Ah, oh, this is a fantastic film, right? The cinematography is fantastic. So good, right? We have some crazy great shots. You know, like just sweeping shots of vistas, right? Panning around people riding. You know, I, there's this great shot where, where we got um Rufus, like a... Uh, looking through a window and then we pan pan out to uh 
Nate sitting on a horse at the far end of the street. Then we flip back to the window. Yeah, we have some great shots like that. It, it just, everything enriches the film. Everything enriches it. And the language. <sighs> language is great, right? Now, it's not that poetic, you know, flow like we saw in the tangle. But this it has its own rhythm. It has its own beat. You know, the characters interact in a way that makes sense. It's a contemporary, but it still feels like the Western, right? And as I said, everyone has their own own way of talking, own way of inhabiting the screen. So it doesn't feel like we're getting these carbon copies, these, you know, plastic characters with no depth whatsoever. No, everyone's got this depth. But however much screen time they may get, it, oh, it works so well. And just when we go to um, Redwood, the town, like the way the town looks and everything like that. So then when we hit Maysville, <laughs> I mean, right? It, it's just this visual effect that they do to signify the difference of the towns. Now, we do get the name pop up and then a caption underneath, which hammers it home. And it, it, just, it just made everyone in the place laugh, right? And laugh, as I said, this isn't a you know a slapstick comedy. It's not. It's not that. But there are plenty of times when you just laugh. You know the thing, the audacity of something that gets said. You know, you're just like, yo, what? What did they just say? You mean what is happening there? Come on, man. That that no. No, and so yeah, it, it works in that way. That just it, it it really speaks to you, you know. It really does speak to you, and you are just blown away by it. Blown away by it, people. And it's the world premiere over the festival, and as I said not disappointed. Now, I got to see it at the Royal Festival Hall. First time Royal Festival Hall has shown films, and again, I was worried the screen might be too far back. Oh, no, it was a fantastic experience. Now, obviously, right, you may have missed the premiere of this, you know, took place tonight, but there are other opportunities. So, tomorrow, Thursday the 7th, it is playing midday, quarter past two at the Royal Festival Hall. Then, if you can't do that, don't worry, because there is a weekend screening. The 10th of October, 11 in the morning, it's playing at the BFI South Bank NFT1. So, yeah, the 7th or the 10th are your other opportunities to uh, 
go see this film, people, and yo, do not miss it. You know what I mean? Do not miss there's you ah uh, it, it is something you do want to see on the big screen. Now, 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 now it will be hitting the cinema. Right? So um it will be hitting the cinema on the 22nd of October, I believe, for a limited run. Okay. And then it's coming to Netflix on the, I believe it is the 3rd of November. So I understand if you want to wait, you know, money, maybe you're still not comfortable with going outside. I understand. I get it. But I will say, look, you're going to love it on whatever size screen you do see it on. You will love it. Trust me, people. But see on a big screen with the sound system, everything like that. Oh, my days. It's just going to rock your world. Rock your world. And, um, yeah, every look, it seemed everyone loved this film. You know, everyone clapped at the end. It just was like, there were twists in the film that you didn't expect. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't just this linear story of revenge. You know, it, it just, it's incredible. It is so good. I'm so glad I got to see it. So people, do not let yourselves down, right? Do not let yourselves down and get your asses to see it too. If the festival opens like this, boy, we are getting another incredible year, people. So, uh, yeah, I will see you tomorrow with more London Film Festival stuff. All right. Enjoy and go see the harder day. Okay, people. So, um, yeah, here we are. We are at the end of our first, first special, special edition Echo Chamber for the 65th BFI London Film Festival. So, hey, what you need to know, right? Go to the BFI website for all your information. I follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. YouTube, right? Definitely YouTube because you get all the you, you'll have the trailers, they'll have talks up there, other fun content. So people stay in the loop, motherfuckers. Stay in the loop, follow it, enjoy it, and we will be back tomorrow with more great films, people. I'm fucking psyched. I'm getting my interview sorted out. Hey. It's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic, people. So jump on the ride. Enjoy it. Boom. We'll see you next time. Peace.